What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This Haberman-Middlecoff segment is brought to you by Ease and EaseWellness.com. Promo code HAM for 20 bucks off your first delivery. And by MyBookie.ag. Promo code HAM and the numeral one. And by SeatGeek. Get the app. Use the promo code HAM for 10 bucks off your first order. Now to the segment. Garoppolo, Shanahan, McVeigh, Goff kind of head-to-head because we did a lot of talking last week about about Garoppolo and Goff and obviously Kyle and Shanahan like this matchup is the matchup for a while like if people want to have the conversation about Goff overrated or McVay figure they fit the leagues figured them out blah 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 he's not going no one's job is at risk there in LA nor should it be we just got an extension so this is the matchup for a while and right now uh it can, it can change week to week, like you said earlier. But you feel pretty good about it if you're the 49 If this was college football, would we be like, you know, things are getting a little weird in L.A., keep an eye on Washington, making a run at them. Would we be having those conversations as college football? If it was college football, then, then any time a job opens, you'd start talking about it. But that's what I love about the NFL is once you have an NFL job, unless you hate the GM or the owner or something, like you're not leaving to go to your hometown team no, in the NFL. I, I'm with you. Uh, and by the way, like is like he's in where did he grow up? The Northeast, West Coast. Where, where's Sean? Where's he went Sean to Ohio. From? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, his, his grandpa was with the Niners, so I just always kind of think of him as a West Coast. I think guy. he was a Midwest guy, but yeah, why? It's not like I don't even think he's from Washington. He just spent the most time there. You know, he was just there for a while. Kyle spent a bunch of time he, there. Like he ain't going back. I, I, I thought the biggest difference today is the one not Dayton, Ohio. Where's he from? Dayton, so he's Ohio. Just born, raised in the Midwest. Went to, but somehow he graduated high school in Georgia. I don't know. That, listen, I, I Sean McVay can go seven and nine this year, and I'm not going to think differently of him. Like he earned, it was not fake what he got. Right, he earned the last two years, winning. How impressive he was, how he handles himself. Like it was impressive. The one knock that yeah. I had originally was he sat on the cooler to do his plays. I don't know if you've watched many Chiefs games since Mahomes then starting. Andy sits with Mahomes. <laughs> When the defense is on the field. And he doesn't watch it. So it's like, okay. You know, it's like, I can't crush Sean. I think a lot of coaches do that. The offensive coordinators, the head coach, they go with their quarterback. 
So I, I have to take that back. I did think today, though, they both do the same thing. Like, if they were pitchers, they would throw the same pitches. That's the basic of what they do. They run the same offense. I do feel Kyle... Now, some of it's just window dressing with all these motions and ghost motions. and You never really know, like, is he going to give the guy in this fly sweep and then it becomes a play action? Kyle's better than Sean with that shit. And he should be, guy. He's been... I was thinking today, like, Kyle's been calling offense for almost 10 years. And he's been in the league for, you know, 18, you know, 16 or whatever. He's been calling an offense for a long time. Where Sean has really just been doing it these last two years. That we know for a fact. You know, Jay said he called some plays, but Jay was still kind of calling plays. It was, you know, half and half deal. That I thought today you just really see, like, Kyle's just kind of on a higher level as a play caller. Now, I believe Sean will get there and will keep adapting because that's usually what smart guys do unless you're Chip Kelly and you just keep running the same shit. But right now, like, I, I saw a big difference today beside the defense because you go, well, he's got Wade Phillips who's been considered, like, the Vic Fangio of the league for, like, 20-plus years. So, they both rely on a defensive coordinator. It's a little different, but Kyle's not. I mean, that's Salah's defense. But when I just watch the offense, I feel Kyle's more liable to do things that I haven't seen or that I go, whoa, or just wow. And just, he just has different pitches right now. He has those secondary pitches that maybe Sean hasn't developed, I mean, has not developed yet. Because the knock on Sean is really since the Super Bowl. Belichick kind of has this game plan for whatever that is, and it's throwing them off. Like, what you go, what's the game plan to stop the Niners? Well, fucking Kyle will do whatever you're going to let him do. So you can take one thing away, he'll just do the other thing. And I forget the sideline chick in this game, but she did. Jen Hale. She did have a comment uh, where I guess Kyle told her in passing, like, I can't wait to get and do my halftime adjustments. And then he comes out, and they just had some different things going on. You're like, whoa. Kyle's just, because he sees a couple things. I do think there's an element to Kyle of, he really is as bright as the hype on his offensive mind. Like, it's, it's special. Because how many times, because I'm watching the Niners and I consistently go, well, every fucking play, Kyle's down some guy open. Whether it's like third and five and he gets Marquise on the out. Or whether it's the flea flicker, which clearly hits. Or whether it's the drop touchdown from Telvin Coleman. Like he's going, hey guys, run this when we see this look in this situation and it'll work. And it feels like the only thing holding it back from working always is a shitty throw, is like a, you know, the offensive, offensive lineman misses a block or a drop. It's because it, it, I, I think when you, if you follow like contingents of other, other fan bases, like a couple people that follow the Cowboys or whatever. It's pretty consistent. Like, why can't Jason Garrett get one guy open on a third and seven for the love of fucking God? You know, like, those are the conversations. Like, why can't Jim Schwartz give safety help to his shitty corner? You never really get, like, why can't Kyle get Pettis? Like, every kind of Pettis keeps coming on. Then they get. I'm not sure. What, it, what is it that he can't do? I don't do know. At that, this point. That's what I'm saying. Like, the guy's a genius, yeah. bro. He's a, and I was hard on him to come into the season. I'm like, yeah, you know, his personality, maybe his ego's a little big. I understand why the scouts, maybe he doesn't talk to them. But then you, once the season starts, you realize... Well, they I don't think they're going to have much say at the next meeting. Well, he's so goddamn good, you realize no one gives a shit what you think, scouts. Because this guy, what his ability... like it, what, you say, what would you say the most valuable ability is in the National Football League when it comes to football, not like business stuff? It would be quarterback play, right? If you're a big quarterback, Quarter, yeah. you're going to get... You'd probably say what's the second most powerful ability 
would be like a dynamic head coach. You could say that's more important than like a Khalil Mack or an Aaron. You take that second once you have the quarterback, the dynamic head coach. And I think he's really proving where most smart football people, including us, even though we were like kind of getting, I was getting a little nervous. Like he's got to eventually show us something. Now he's showing it and it's like you don't even need to argue it. Yeah, I think, you know, that's where the Packers will be an interesting case study this year. They've got a good defense. They've got a great quarterback. They don't have a dynamic head coach. We don't think. What's their ceiling then, right? Because you could make the case, well, would you take the dynamic head coach over the good quarterback? Because if I said to you right now, what are the Niners' best attributes? Number one, you would say Kyle Shanahan, right? To me, number two would be their defense. And number three would be... You know, and then it's like you're like, well, do you say kid all that? You got to go Garoppolo three. Yeah. They have a quarterback um, that they can I, depend on to win games. And yeah, because you could argue today. To me, the one thing that I just like, we talk about Jimmy and what's his what big picture, like how great is he? How great can he be? The one thing you see though, whatever his numbers are going to be, a pass rush doesn't freak him out. He still makes plays at that last like where some guys might get out of the pocket. He'll hang for like he's only got three tenths left, and he's either getting sacked or making a throw, and he makes a throw. He's he can move in a, what I like to call John a muddy pocket. God, I, yeah, I like we all like to call everything the same thing. Um, but he can clearly make plays with his legs and then throw the football. I just like he. I th- I think he's elite at the pocket's not great. What does Jimmy do with it? To me, that's where like the Romo comp in like Romo's prime of just like scrambling around making shit, and that's where I think guy. Can I say something about that yeah. real quick? That's what's crazy about him is the weird plays he makes don't come in that situation. You know what I mean? Like the weird throws that Jimmy makes, by and large, don't come in like the Romo scramble spot. No, they come in like first and ten. They're just like weird, like, wait, what was that throw? Yeah, they, they come at random, like, a time when you're in an advantageous situation. He makes the... That's where the Romo thing is a little different, because Romo would make the crazy plays in that yeah, situation, he, he, too. Yeah, Jimmy makes, like, oh, third and seven, he just hits Debo Samuel over the middle in stride. But it'll be, like, first and ten in the red zone, you're just kicking the... Sh- you're up, like, 20, and he'll throw a pick six. Like, whoa! Great protect... <laughs> yeah. like, what? I, I thought today, that my theory is this, that Kyle and him... There have been some subtle jabs, more Kyle at Jimmy. Like, during the bye week hit, and Eric Branch is like, did you spend time with Jimmy? He's like, no, we had to get the hell away from each other. I just think that they're butted heads a little bit, philosophically. Kyle wants more robot. Jimmy's got the Romo. They got to meet in the middle. And if they ever can meet in the middle, it can be glorious. We're seeing glimpses of it right now. I do think it's hard when you are Tony Romo at your heart. That's what, that's what, when you say Jimmy kind of is at his core, he's really just kind of a throwback, run around, old school, make some plays. But he kind of got that beaten out of him a little with Belichick. Though I, I, I felt like Bill kind of liked that. He's like, I'm tired of Tom the robot. I kind of want that. It felt like Bill was pro that more than like th- that offense really was. He's like, Jimmy, just do whatever you want out there. I'm just so tired of watching Tom just be so goddamn robotic. Where he comes here and Kyle wants to rein him back in because you see, for example, the flea flicker. You could argue, like, you just got to lay that out for him. Now, you could say, is Marquise Goodwin some lock to make the catch if he lays it out for him? No. But, like, Jimmy's thinking to himself, he sees him wide open. What's the number one thing he's saying? I can't overthrow him. I can't overthrow him. I can't overthrow him. So he kind of underthrows him. Because I think if Jimmy's just not thinking, he just, boom, lets it rip. Right? 
may overthrow him, may hit him in stride. More than likely, probably yeah. hits him in stride because it's hard to overthrow a guy that runs like a four one forty. But he, and to me, then he has he has a pick to uh, to George Kittle or whatever that play was, where I think everyone's kind of crushing him. And that, my first reaction is like, you can't make that throw. I've been to enough football practices. No, I think Kyle goes, and the way that play works is one two, you throw to the spot. And I'm a, I'm a genius. Our offense works. The guy will be yeah. there. And you said he won't you be there unless it. he's being held. And if he's being held, there'll be a flag. Did you say you kind of saw him hesitate for a split second? Yeah, I think if you rewatch it, like Kittle's getting held up, and it throws off the timing of it. And Jimmy can kind of. It looks to me like Jimmy sees like something's not right because like all of a sudden Kittle and Debo are like in the same. You know, like Debo's kind of at the flat, Kittle's in the corner, and neither guy is like open. See, that's where I think is an example. Like I doubt Kyle would be that mad. Because he would go, the play is designed. I tell him to throw the ball. We coach it to throw it to this spot. You know, like three yards in, four yards over. Like that's how coaches talk. And he doesn't need picks. Now, the play where he fucks up to Tevin Coleman, I, I wouldn't say he fucks up, but it wasn't. Tevin had to turn around. That's where you throw it ahead of him. They coach it up. You just throw it. You lead it to him. He walks in the end zone. Well, Schlereth, when they're showing the replay, Telvin gets blasted the line of scrimmage. So he gets thrown. He's looking the other way. So Jimmy's yeah. in this robot mode. Like, I go three steps, boom. That's what Kyle wants right in front of him. Walk in, touchdown, easy. But that's, you know, sometimes, and this is where, like, you brought up the Packers. If they were in a tight game in the fourth quarter in round one of the playoffs, I just think Aaron can naturally ad-lib more and just take over. The Jimmy, if you get in a weird spot like that play to Coleman, Jimmy, just throw it behind him hit him in stride, and he'll turn around and walk in. But I think Jimmy's probably thinking, like, I, I've coached to do this, and that's where I think they're still probably battling, where if this goes on to have success, in like three or four years, we'll talk about, you know, those first couple years, even when they started winning, you know, the one year, the first year they won the division, and they lost in the second round to the Packers or whatever, you know, they weren't even close to what they became. You know, because Kyle would be like, bro, you... you yeah, we coach it, but you have to be able... You can throw it to his back shoulder when he's looking at you instead of making him flip right. around. Now, I bet Coleman would tell you it's the NFL, it hits my hands, I got to catch it. And even if you fall, you don't give yourself up as a running back, right? He could just roll into the end zone if no one touches him. Yeah, it's him. not college. So, like, I, I just think there's still... These are little nuances where I they are still so far away, I think, from what Kyle would say would be like football nirvana, where we're totally on the same page of just... He can ad lib a little bit like this. You don't have to be a total robot, but you do need to be a robot in spots where. I wonder if Kyle's like the moment you see him being held on that play, you have to just throw it away, you know, because you just throw it up. It's just as what would Rich Cannon say? A turnover on the goal line is better to better to not turn better to die a child <laughs> to die a baby than turn the ball over in the. We could just say the red zone. <laughs> yeah. So, because <laughs> it is you. It is a pretty gut, big gut punch when you throw a pick in the end zone, right? It's a, whoa, that's that's a devastating blow. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, they, it was going to be 14-7, to 7, right? Yeah. It was a big blow. And you also realize, and this is where I always defend the guy, and he wasn't even that bad today because I don't, the one thing when you play the Niners, they don't really relentlessly just go at corners. That's one thing Marcus Peters probably likes a game like that today because you're not playing like the Eagles or the Packers where they'll just relentlessly go at you. Kyle will just pick his spots. Like if you're in his play, you're in his play. But if you're not, like you're free. But he does. Like when the when the play is presented to 22, he does always make it, right? He picks that ball. Like some guys might drop it or 
fuck up. Like, he always makes the play when it is presented to him. So I would imagine mm-hmm. Wade Phillips would be like, he has his flaws, but he never doesn't come through when they screw up. He always makes it. So he, he balances it out. He's the best example right. to and- me of a guy that consistently gets beat, but makes this an extraordinary amount of plays. Now, some of them are easy, well, and, but he makes them. Yeah, and you just you play this game like there's just enough mistakes going to be made out there that he'll have plenty of plays to take advantage of. And most, co- most quarterbacks will throw you a ball or two in your vicinity. Jimmy legitimately threw it right to him. He's like, fuck, he's coming right at me. And that's why Kyle was losing at calling the hold. Because in his mind, he's like, well, the play worked. Right? It was there. It hit. Right, right. <laughs> you do realize why there was, good offensive coaches are so stubborn because they're like, my shit works. Like, it, the guy's there. You're not allowed to hold. I'm about to tell you something that doesn't have a big point to it, but it was cool to see at one point. I love when they just leave a camera on a guy for a minute. Let's just watch him in his environment. And they just, you know, they, they a lot of shots of Kyle, and they had one with Kyle. Play clock's running. He hasn't called the play in yet. And he just, he's looking at the chart. And I didn't really realize most of his chart is handwritten. It's like clearly he's got the little grids. He just writes in maybe here's my eight plays or whatever. Well, you don't th- you a don't, lot of it's handwritten. I, I, can't, I didn't really look. Well, just maybe some of it might be typed, but there's definitely one side where like there's just a lot well, he, of handwritten stuff on it. He doesn't laminate it, right? He's not like Andy. It's not a laminated sheet. It's like a folded. No, I don't it's think so. I don't sure. Maybe this was – this might have been the second half, so maybe he'd already written like some maybe it was from halftime what he had written. Yeah. Or like the eight plays that he's got coming out, whatever. It, didn't you say that but, he said to Papa or someone that he goes in there and writes the eight plays that he know will work in the second half off what they're showing him? So, so what they do at halftime is they put like him and his other run game coordinator guys, they'll write like eight plays they like on one side of the board. Then he sits there for like four minutes, and then they put together, okay, here's the plays we're going to run. So when he walks in, there's usually already some action of like plays going up on the board, like run plays that they like. And then he'll add, he'll sit there with it for a minute. So I'm guessing maybe that's what we'll dr- But they just have a shot of him, and, you, and he's looking at the card, and he goes, you can read his lips. He's like, uh, all right, let's go with, and then he just rattles off, you know, like the quick whatever thing for the wristband. And it was just funny, because it's like, here's him in this moment. He's got three seconds, basically. And it wasn't that he had necessarily, I'm going to run this play, and then I'm going to run this play. In that moment, he was just picking a play real quick in three seconds. Now, he probably has some idea, but... Yeah, that's. I, it was just that. I, I just. It was interesting would, to watch would, would him kind of in that moment make a decision. Much better than advertised since you've been watching him two and a half years. Like it's pretty impressive to watch. Yeah, although I will say, like, if we lived in Atlanta, we might have heard more of this stuff and less of the his personality quirks. That seemed to be kind of the headline. No, no I, I'm saying just in a vacuum, the hype on him as a play caller. I think you hear this about a lot of guys that get jobs. He has exceeded that. I'm not talking about anything. To, just the hype. He was an elite play caller. You just mean all the talk just, about just he is Nostradamus. Just watching football plays on Sundays. Yeah. It's been a lot of hype, and it's backed up every ounce yeah, of it. Yeah, like it's it's always just consistently shitting games with wow. And that's where I think the knock on McVay right now is fair. Where are his wrinkles? Where are his wrinkles, guy? I, I just don't I don't. Well, see isn't it. that what we always talk about in this? Like people are going to adjust to you. You're going to have to adjust back. And that's where... For Kyle, he's been doing this for a long time. He has a lot more information to go to. And who who else does he have? He's had to adjust back a lot. Like, he's already had to do that as a coordinator, right? He has a pretty big advantage also. Whose offense is he running? His fucking dad's. <laughs> do you think Mike Shanahan has not watched one All-22 play of every game that his son has coached now for the 49ers? Like, that is, that is an underrated part about Kyle. 
His dad was a multiple-time Super Bowl champ, widely considered one of the better offensive coaches of the last 30 years. And they're pretty tight, you know? Like, the guy hired him to come coach, and he said it was like the best moment of his life getting to coach with his son. His dad didn't let his own son call the plays. And he clearly plays a big role. Last year, he came with Jimmy. Like, Kyle's... You know, Kyle's got some advantages, and he uses them. Like, they're... They just... The crew, whether it's Mike helping him out, whether it's obviously a lot of Kyle, who's a genius... Little Mike McDaniels, the offensive wide receiver, game coordinator. Like, these guys, and you read these quotes from, like, the articles on McVay and LaFleur and all the other assistants that were there in Washington. They were like, you thought you knew football until you got around all these guys, and it was just crazy all the shit being said and thrown around there. Mm. And they mainly, they didn't really say McVay as much as Kyle and really the McDaniels guy, who's like the... Guy that had an alcohol problem, but he was an Ivy League. Is it Mike? I think Mike. No. I think it is Mike McDaniel's. So those two guys are got a little beautiful mind thing going, and you. But it's one thing to just hear about it; it's another thing to consistently see it every Sunday. And I'm consistently just wow, I didn't see that coming. You know, you as a defense, there are some. There's a huge part of schemes a big deal, but there is a big part of like you got a batter motherfucker in the guy lined across from you because I got news for you. Right, Nick Bosa's shoving Andrew Whitworth back into Jared Goff. D Ford, the guy can't even get a hand on him. Like Aaron Donald's a good what? example. He was Mark Slareth had a Mark Slareth played guard for like 20 years in the league, and I don't think he just throw this away lightly. <laughs> he's like he might. I think he did say he's the best football player maybe I've ever seen in my life. And then you just watch him do a couple plays, you're like, holy shit. What could would Larry Allen in his prime have blocked that? Like, there's nothing you can do. Like Aaron Donald is just he's just better than you. There was a play early in the game that they just put. I, I text a buddy in the league. I'm like, yeah, they just put Aaron Donald the defensive end, and they just had him rush like a nine technique over the school guy, and they just basically said, yeah, this is a defensive tackle. We're gonna put him at end, and I bet your guy can't fucking block our guy. And what did he do? He went right around him and he sacked Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I was actually shocked he didn't do that more. But I think... What did he get sacked? Twice, I think, today? And maybe he got both But I think one of the problems is then they start... When you line them up there, I bet Kyle goes, Jimmy, then check to an inside run if 99's out of there. And they start gashing you. It's kind of like a... You know, you start playing this chess game where you like... You you know Kyle likes to run it inside, so you want 99 around there. But, you know, you know it's hard. And then Kyle's got the lead, and he's happy to run it. I know. So, it's just... It's just that's where I bet uh, Wade Phillips was like, well, it's nice having fucking Aaron Donald. I wish I had a couple other players, too. You know, like, where's the, I don't have any other help. Littleton, catch the goddamn ball. I always love it. I mean, is there a bigger go-to quote from a, from the analyst? Is like, that's why the guy plays defense. You know, whenever he drops like a, a pass that hits the guy in the bread basket. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it when it comes from a, when the quarterback is the analyst. And it's like, you know, quarter, quarterback's probably just, because I bet quarterbacks get so annoyed, right, when some defensive back has nothing to do with why the play didn't hit, and they start spreading their arms and doing the "you can't throw on me" thing. It's like, dude, you—I overthrew the guy. You got lucky. DB. So at quarterbacks, like, I always feel like you have a DBU. Don't make a don't make a motion. So I feel like quarterback analysts are just waiting to say stuff like that about DBs because it's a little. You know, I feel like there's a lot of friendly trash talk between those groups. Well, there is because they spend a lot of time to each other. If you go to practice. When they do one-on-ones, it's the DBs, the quarterbacks, and receivers. They just are around each did, other a lot. Did you see the Mahomes? So after Mahomes throws that crazy touchdown to Tyreek Hill, did you see that celebration? And then he, like, taps – he, like, stopped celebrating for a second to, like, give J.J. Watt, like, a sorry, bro, and then went back to celebrating? You're saying that Mahomes tapped J.J. Watt? 
Yeah, like Mahomes throws to Tyreek, starts like jumping around. He's running by JJ, kind of stops jumping around, taps him on the shoulder, and then goes back to celebrating. <laughs> no. It felt genuine, but I guess it could have been trash talk. But it's probably genuine. I, you, I would imagine Mahomes good, careful, like a good effort, careful bro. around JJ because he might be able to hit him. You know, I, I tweeted something. I'm like, God, JJ looks like a shell of himself because he did look kind of stiff. And then a bunch of people tweeted at me, leaves the league in pressures. So, like, his power's still there. He's just not quite as explosive to get to home anymore. He is, he, Got a different he pitch. is massive. Yeah. Uh, before we get to some headlines, you want to get headlines? Anything else on McVay and Goff and Shanahan and Garoppolo for Well, now? a couple things really quick. I guess, I mean, Seattle winning, like, all these wins, you keep stacking these wins are important because it's go went from, you know, could 10, 11 games win the division or is it going to take 13-3? Like, Seattle's winning games on the road. They're just winning games ugly. They're, yeah, they're five and one, so they've won as many games as the Forty Nine. They're five and one. You just watch them play over the year. How well Russell's playing, Guy Haberman. What's your record prediction for Seattle? Well, they got ten games left, so they're going to win at least. I mean, they're going to win at least eleven, right? Maybe twelve. You, you say six and six. go seven three. I'm going to say. Yeah, six and four, so they they're gonna win at least eleven games. They're gonna be eleven. And you and five. wouldn't be the least bit shocked if they went twelve and four, right? So you just start kind of gauging what you're gonna have to do to win this division. So you'd be like, you probably need to win twelve games and for sure split with them. Like you can't you go eleven and five, you lose both those games, like you won't win the division. This was a pr- like this they- was a pretty big win to like kind of the Rams are in a little trouble now. Like to me, the Rams have you know, seven and nine missing the playoffs written all over them. You agree? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, or even eight and eight. Like this, yeah. they're what are they now? Four, three, three and three. So you know, I mean, they're still. I the I know ki- they've the, lost the three kicker. Straight. Still the kicker solid. missed a forty-four yarder the previous week. They could easily be four and two, right? So I I still think they're good, but it's just the problem is just the math, and this is what we've been saying is just the Niners' math right now is they're five and zero. Oh. So even if they're a, even if they're a, oh, well, I guess they can't be a five hundred team down the stretch, but. If they're a game over. I would say the Carolina game looks a little different now this week. Uh, two weeks. Who do the Niners play this week? Oh, they go to Washington. They go to Washington. Okay, that's a little easier, but then the Carolina game. So you expect them to be 6-0. I watched a decent amount of the Washington game. They stick. Like they're, they're bad. I would, And I don't you think that but game's going to... One thing watching Carolina, like, they want to run McCaffrey a lot, obviously, and... I do kind of feel like that Niners are fine with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fun matchup, McCaffrey versus the Niners, D. And not just McCaffrey, like the Samuel, DJ Moore. Like, they got really good offensive players, guy. That's why I think this DJ Moore, did you see that touchdown catch DJ Moore had badass. today? Oh, my He's God. Awesome. They, they, they are, they have legitimate offensive weapons. I, I think that's why Kyle Allen, who kind of came out of nowhere as an undrafted free agent, if you just play solid as their quarterback – they go, well, we play defense, and we got offensive weapons. That game's – that's kind of a big game. Let's look at something real quick here now. So the so the 49ers play the Redskins. They play the Panthers. They play the Cardinals. Those are their next three games. So they should be, at worst – you'd say right now you got to think they'd be 7-1, and one, right? At worst, if not 8-0. No. Yeah, I'd say it'd be, I'd say it'd be pretty shocking if Kyler Murray beat this Niner defense, right? Yeah, so you'd say – I mean, really, though, I, though they're, though, I, they should be favorite. they're actually not playing terrible right now. No, they're not. But 
he threw three touchdowns today, but they'll be favored in all three of those games. So they'll be eight and zero, seven and one. Where's the Carolina think, game? Right, home. Okay. Where's the uh, the other two are on the is road? Is the Arizona game a Thursday night game, or is that or is that uh, the following the, one? Yeah, Arizona is a Thursday. So they night. go they go Washington at Washington, Carolina home, and then a Thursday night game. Okay, that's that's an mm-hmm. interesting little stretch. It is. So the next three games for the Seattle Seahawks. They're five and one. They got Baltimore at home. Okay. They go to Atlanta. They got Tampa at home. I mean, you'd say probably two and one worst case of that stretch. Okay, so 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 you got a shot here at eight and one versus eight and zero, oh, or seven and one versus seven and Is two. That a Monday night game on Mon- on Monday night football in in San in San. Would Clark. you say that's a pretty fucking big game? Yeah, because you'd say worst case probably both teams are like six and two, right? Well, it would be six and three. It would be like seven and two. Yeah, the Niners would be six and two. Worst case, yeah. if they win one of the next three, which would be pretty alarming, right? If they lose, if they lose two of these yeah, next three, because one loss would be bad. That would mean you'd lose to Arizona or Washington. Because I, you would say right. if you lost to Carolina and the game was tight, they might be. If they won this week, what would they be? Five and two. Like they, they'd have a good record. They'd be viewed. The problem would be you'd be competing with them for a playoff spot. That's where that, I'm starting to look at the NFC playoffs. Do you know what's starting to look like? The NFC East is going to get one team in. It's going to be Eagles or the Cowboys. Then you look at it's going to come down to the Niners in Seattle and maybe Minnesota, Minnesota Green Bay aren't going away. And you'd say, well, the Bears, if they can just fucking get somewhat of their defense is so good, they're going to be in the mix, right? Because their defense is so top notch. And that Carolina game is like you just keep stacking wins. You're in the mix if you're Carolina. Like they are just they are four and two, all right. They're four and two, and they've won four straight games. And you watch them; they yeah. have, you know, a legitimate MVP candidate. So they they are, and their division sucks. So you go, well, why couldn't they go ten wins? And this is where you go. Well, if the Niners end up ten and six, this, these are the tiebreaker type games. That's why the Carolina game and the Green Bay Packer game over the next month and a half are pretty big. What just happened? They're getting there. They're getting there. Are you watching football right now? Baseball. Go back. You'll see a replay real quick. They're, they're getting their ass kicked, huh? It's twenty-one to nothing. Guy with the four-string quarterback starting. Where when the Steelers scored, they started waving. Terrible towels were everywhere. You think? You think? Uh, Ryan Clark thinks that Matt Devlin or whoever is starting for the Steelers tonight could lead the Niners to a five and zero record. Devlin Hodges. Devlin Hodges. Sam Samford's finest. I got to tell you, I disagree with someone tweeted us like, you guys got to talk about this. So maybe real quick, we'll do this. Ryan Clark says the Niners would have the same record with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I can't agree, John. Yeah, t- to me, if he, oh. you, you, we had talked about it before. And you, Chargers I, just missed. I said if, if he had put Kirk Cousins or just other random like mid-tier quarterbacks, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, I would have been like, yeah, you're like, you told me before the podcast, he's clearly trying to make a point. Jimmy stinks. And where I, my counter to Ryan Clark would be, I don't know if you're watching the Niners, because here's the problem, Ryan. You went all in. You call them frauds. Sometimes in this business, you're wrong. Just take the L and just move on. Where you're doubling down now, Mason Rudolph's a bad example. Have you watched Mason Rudolph, Ryan? He stinks. Like, he's terrible. So, it's the, the, the comparison's wrong. So, you're doubling down on your take, which you're kind of wrong on now, and you're doubling with quarterbacks that now stink. So it's just you're doubling down on the wrong side. Like, if you just wanted to be like, if you flip the two quarterbacks today, they, 
it would have been the same thing or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, for, for sure. You know, just have a normal, but you, he's trying to have an extreme take on his take that's wrong. So he, he's holding on to this take that's, because remember, he was the guy when they were like 3-0, and like pretenders, frauds are going to get their ass kicked. Right. And now he just, yeah. he's just going to stake that claim. And this is my issue with takes, where I can't, and maybe they teach you this at ESPN, to like hold on to the take forever. Like you're better off just keep being wrong. It, it'll make more controversy. Maybe they do. And I, I would imagine it's probably they do tell you to do that. Uh, like Colin just sticks with the take because he believes he's right. You know, like he was, he's not like, he's closer, but he's, he's more than like Bayless. Like Bayless clearly created yeah. that. Like Colin thinks Baker snakes, which I disagree with him. Like, I don't think Baker's that bad, but he does have some flaws. But this Ryan Clark yeah. take, when you just say a team sucks, you can go back when the team's good and go, yeah, they're good. And everyone's like, yeah, you just, you're wrong. Who cares? Move on. But I, 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 right. I here's my point on this bigger picture for Ryan Clark. I think we're going to see tweets like this. If they're like ten and one and in first place, he'll be like, "Well, the sca-, you know, he's just gonna like that's gonna be his piece of land in the take sphere on the Niners, which is smart for him because he's gonna get it's just it's just gonna be his little island. Who else? Because guy, no one fucking else is saying that. But it's I know, but that's my issue though. It's not smart if it's actually not smart. But yeah, why bail now? Here's the thing: maybe he does think he stinks, so just ride that one out. Well, he could. So well, Haberman. If you I believe think, it, I don't change because everyone else is calling you. Would you, you say dumb. you're lukewarm on him? Uh, no, I would say I, I I would say I like him the right amount. That's what I would yeah, say. You're, you're not. I like him the right you're amount. You're not acting like I, he's Steph like Curry him. of football right now. I'm very open minded to. I expect I expect him to keep getting better. I'm not sure if he's a career All Pro, but I would have paid him. I'd, I would I would ride with him and not try to find another quarterback. That's pretty obvious. I'm not, but I do I watch him. I'm like God. I think he's getting better every week. I thought the concerns we had early in the season were legit. I thought people treated a couple of his games early like they were better than they were. But I also thought again against the Rams. I thought even it's like he didn't carry him. He didn't have to. But I just think I think he does some really important things really 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 well. Um, namely, just handle pressure and. Well, how, how, how many times do you think Ro- right how many times do you think Tony Romo made a Pro Bowl? And when he was making Pro Bowls, it wasn't like fake Pro Bowls, like you know, back in the day when people went to Pro Bowls. It's uh, a good question. Um, I'm going to say he made like. I'll, I'll be a hint, a hint. It's not as probably high as you think. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like four. Yeah, he made four. Okay. Would you say there's any chance Jimmy Garoppolo makes four pro like legitimate Pro Bowls when you're one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFC? Would you say he makes four of those? Um, I I think there's a chance, but, I, but I'd but say the safe not. bet right now hard. you'd probably bet against it, right? It's just hard. Like if I, right? if I, like if Russell if I Wilson's said, not going anywhere. If I said Wentz, if I, Dak, if, golf. But if I had said Wentz, you would have said, of course, he's making over four. You wouldn't even have hesitated. Or Mahomes, yeah, or Deshaun I, Watson. Bre- like Breeze has got a couple years. If I'm just thinking about the NFC, like Breeze got a few years left. You'd say Wentz is going to be just in the mix every fucking year. Wentz is the first guy. I mean, Russell like, Wilson. I, hell, I, is Kyler going to go to one? He might. Um, yeah. Rogers. So, you ever heard of him? Yeah, it's just difficult. That, that's my point. Like, I, I, a guy, I would say, if you told me this guy was a starter for, like, eight, nine years, even if they won a Super Bowl and he made, like, two Pro Bowls and it was more like just Kyle with the scheme, I think that's believable. 
And I think that's probably where you, and I even probably somewhere closer to you than I am, like, I'm not annoyed, like, these last couple weeks, it's been impressive because he keeps getting better, but I don't view, like, I'm watching Wentz and Watson and Mahomes, like, Jimmy ain't that, which is fine. Kyle doesn't want, Kyle's not asking him to be that. But eventually, in games, and it, there's going to be a spot in a Packer game, and a Carolina game, and a Seattle game, where it's tied, and it's third and nine on multiple big drives, like, can he consistently do it? And like you said, the weird thing about Jimmy, he actually does hit those plays. His problem might be on, like, the two-minute drive. He would get a bunch of, like, key third downs. It would be, like, first and ten at the 50-yard line with 50 seconds left in a timeout. He would, like, hand the ball off to the Seattle defender. It would be like, what just happened? The, the frenetic plays he nails, the interception against Cincinnati after he falls started is the one just like, what? I think sometimes he's going to do that. And it's just, it's inevitable for any player to have that happen to him in a game, right? On the road against good teams, like... It's going to happen this It might happen this year in like an upset. Like, I'll give you an example. Is it crazy to think they beat Washington? Let's say they beat Carolina at home. They're, what would they be, 7-0? and And maybe like Arizona upsets them on the road short week. Like, that's just a weird, that, that's not that crazy. You, you, you could go, well, if you're going to lose, if you're going to go 13-3, and one of the games you're going to lose, your Thursday night game is end of October. Would you say that was Halloween? But- like, you can lose that game. But you know, I keep going back. Yeah, you're right. That makes a lot of sense. But what I think about when you say that, after I think that makes sense, then I think like, is Cliff gonna is Cliff gonna be Kyle and Sala? But you would just say, typically not a snowball's chance in hell. But it's just Thursday night and you're on the road. It's yeah. Just, but I just watched him on a short week against Sean. But Thursday's a lot different when you're just coming off a of Carolina game. I'm just That's saying, true. it's just it is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and your guys are tired, your players are exhausted. It is really, and, and I said four days earlier, but it's a, it's a, when you played Monday night, you got five days off. When you played Sunday to Thursday, it's four days off, so it's one less day. You would, though, say if you could pick their schedule. But, John, he just replaced his right tackle and his offensive weapon. on Well, and the, the counter, short the counter that would be if you could pick your schedule. I gave you all the 16 teams they're going to play, obviously your division and then the other teams. If you had to pick a short road game, a short week team that you had to play on the road, well, yeah, Washington sucks, but you wouldn't pick that game so fucking far. Arizona would be the pick, right? You wouldn't pick L.A. or Seattle. You wouldn't pick, like, yeah. Green Bay or any of the AFC North. Like, you would pick the Cardinals. It's short. It's easy to get to. That would be the team you'd pick. Like, the Rams, if you could have given them their choice, they'd be like, yeah, who do you want to play on the Thursday night game? They would not choose Seattle on the road, right, for the Thursday night game. That would be, like, their last choice. Right. So the Niners aren't going to be able to complain. Like They did get the easiest, in theory, opponent they could possibly get. You go, well, L.A.'s a shorter flight, but you would rather play the Cardinals than the Rams on a short week, right, on the road. Right, right. That's where I think, I keep thinking Carolina. So if Washington's this week, you win this Washington game, then the Carolina game becomes... I wouldn't say house money, but kind of big because in that Thursday night game, you don't want to lose a divisional game. But if you're seven and one, I mean that's you're the same record as Seattle, and you haven't played them yet, so you still control your own destiny. Now you would though, like you don't want to lose a game to Arizona. Like if you're gonna, you'd rather lose to Carolina. You know, a team that's actually wins. You know, they you think's good. You know, because you think Carolina, if they're playing well, like they could play with a lot of teams. Like that game's gonna be hard. That game's going to be your traditional, don't you think? Like three point spread. It's just going to be 
even if the Niners are undefeated and they're five and two. Who is who is the Panthers' offensive coordinator? Norv Turner. Oh yeah. Last time I checked, you... still because I watched him today, thinking like their offensive coordinator is good. Who is he? And I didn't too lazy to Google it. Norv. Do you think he's got a pretty good resume? Call him plays in this league. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so God, Norv is still there. They just Jeez. do good things with these little guys. Has Ron fired anybody? Didn't he fire? He somebody? fired Brady Hoke. You know, his defensive line coach. He fired a bunch of defensive coaches last year. Oh, okay. Ron Rivera at 0 and 2 with Cam. It felt like, oh, this is Dave Tepper, new guy, gonna have a new coach, house cleaning. To like, I mean, are they gonna be a wild card team? You, it'd still be a pretty big upset with Kyle Allen as your quarterback to make a wild card in the NFL, right? That would be pretty nuts if they were like the six seed at ten and six with Kyle Allen starting fourteen games. You saw the last guy to debut at four and zero. Uh, Kurt Warner. Undrafted free agent to debut undefeated. Un, undrafted, yes, thank you. Undrafted free agent to debut 4 0. The other, the list of guys is actually not overly. It's like Mike Tomzak. That did start 4 0? That started 4 0, yeah. Well, how about just the list of undrafted free agents to ever start games? It's got to be a small list, right? Most quarterbacks that start games in the NFL, I would say, in the history of the modern day league, over the last 40 years, wouldn't you say the percentage of quarterbacks that have started games 95 plus percent have been drafted just think of all the players that just always start right i mean it's i remember when jeff tool started for the bills that one year when they had like seven injuries in training camp like fitzpatrick got hurt uh they had other guys get hurt and he was like the four stringer and he ended up starting he was the first ever undrafted free agent to start week one in the history of the nfl so wow. just show it like that. That's the one position where it is pretty, pretty unique. I, what do you think the percentage of undrafted free agent quarterbacks? Fresno stand up, by the way. Hell yeah, huh? we tried to get him. He wouldn't. He was just too loyal to Washington State. Like there, there aren't in the history of the league that many undrafted free agents that are like fifty-three man roster guys. That, that's right. what I think makes when you look back at Kurt Warner's story, it's one of the most unique in like sports history. Undrafted free agent, fucking packing groceries to win in Super Bowl MVP and the MVP of the league, and not like undra- and not like undrafted free agent, like ah, you know, we'll we'll, we'll sign you yeah, when the draft be, is you're over. You're going to be on the practice squad for a couple years. Like, no, we don't even, we don't even have your number. No, you're gonna you're gonna come to the NFL after wearing one of the ugliest helmets ever created for the Iowa Barnstormers or whatever the team was. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.